0: the first episode of the Everything Went Black podcast for 2018. I hope everyone had a great holiday. And now it's time to get back on the horse and ride. For this episode, I got my buddy Randy Larson coming back. We're going to do uh, what is turning out to be a recurring theme on the podcast. This uh, new Theme is going to be called Topic, where Randy and I get together and we discuss uh, most likely music-related stuff. This episode is going to be about the Amphetamine Reptile Records era in music, something that's very important to Randy and I. Other stuff might be about, say, the Rollins Band or Black Flag or Neurosis or other stuff like that. We're just going to see how it plays out. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Ralph Schultz for joining the uh, Patreon team. For those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for you to support the podcast. For as little as $1 a month, you can help keep the lights on around here, and in return, I send you guys uh, free stuff. The Lifetime of Grey Skies Tour Journal audiobook, which um, it's on the Bandcamp, but If you subscribe via Patreon, you get it for free. There's also miscellaneous uh, tomb stuff, the cover of Depressed by Rorschach, um, the David Bowie cover, and the demos for The Grand Annihilation. It's all available for free for Patreon members, so check it out. You can go either to EverythingWentBlackMedia.com or you can just go to the Facebook page and it's uh, pinned at the top. Speaking of Facebook, um, you can either befriend me on Facebook as Michael Hill. Everything Went Black has a Facebook page. If you're on Twitter, you can hit me up at MikeHillHQ on Instagram as Mike underscore Hill underscore primate. And one last thing before we get rolling, I'm going to give a little shout to some of the associate sponsors. On it, go to the website, everythingwentblackmedia.com, and you'll see two banners for on it. Hit up one of those or either of those, takes you to the site, make a purchase, and I get a little taste of that. Also, this entire show is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee, which is my coffee brand. You can go to savagegoldcoffee.com and uh, buy away. Pick up a bag of coffee. I got a dark roast, a medium roast, espresso, all that sort of good stuff. And away we go. So this is, uh, you know, some professional audio engineering going on yeah, here. I see it. I'm like looking at that little <laughs> meter jumping up and down. I'm like, oh, something's wrong here.
1: I don't have any clue what I'm doing, so it's a good thing. It's a good thing you're the engineer slash host slash entertainment <laughs> Yeah, so you touch base on that touch and go quarter stick, yeah, alternative tentacles.
0: AT was like maybe Zeny Giva and uh, oh, Grosis, God, God Bullies, God Bullies, it was on there. They had something on on,
1: uh, on on AT, I think both their albums are on alternative tentacles, and is because one of the God Bullies records was too, right? Or no, huh? Because I got um,
0: God Bullies, uh,
1: Did they have one on alternative tentacles it's... now. I'm trying to hunt down all their stuff. Which yeah. is super hard to do. Well, they they
0: also had some records on Glitterhouse, which was. Um, see that's a that's another thing, man. There's like some German of these labels like those, all those labels
1: Craw was on before Hydrahead, like Choke Incorporated.
0: Yeah, like, there's a lot of those weird labels that don't exist. They existed just in the nineties, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And then people, you know, quickly forgot about. I'm I'm curious to see. How many people that listen to this actually would have heard of any of these bands? You know what I mean? Because um, one of the things that I take, like, I think about the cows and god bullies, and I think about um, that it's like a household word to me and you. Right, it is. But how many people don't know what the fuck we're talking about?
1: A lot, I bet. A lot.
0: Let me just look this up real quick. God bullies. Wikipedia. I'm curious now. I, I could be wrong. But they do that. have stuff on Alternative Tentacles for sure. I just oh, don't okay. know how many. Let's see. Mad Queen, Antisocial Propaganda, Radio Records, AMREP, and Alternative Tentacles. Okay, so all I want is my mama came out on Mad Queen. It's a 7-inch. Fear and Pain 7-inch came out on AMREP. Mama Woom Womb. womb Came, is AMREP 12-inch. Hey, that's, yeah. that's on AMREP? Yeah, it's on AMREP. I, I Let's on see. So right <laughs> Warren Everybody, Dog Show, Plastic Eye Miracle, Join Satan's Army, Mama Woom Womb all came out on AMREP. And then mm-hmm. Sympathy for the Record Industry single. Um, there was an Elp uh, Kill the King, which came out in 1994. Holy shit, man. It was like, that was on AT. And then they had... A seven-inch on anti-social propaganda and a seven-inch on radio records. Now check this out. The first Amrep seven-inch came out in 1988. Fear and pain. Wow. 1989. Mama womb womb came out on Amrep. Join Satan's army came out in 1990. Plastic eye miracle came out in 1990. Dog Show came out in 1990. What? War on Everybody came out in 1991. So between 1990 and 91. Three albums? They put out, um, let's see, two uh, uh, two seven-inch, like a double seven-inch, an EP, and then two LPs (laughs) in like a year, basically. Wow. Yeah. Who does that anymore? (laughs) I guess
1: maybe the Melvins, that's about it.
0: Yeah, but unlike the Melvins. Who put out some substandard shit? I bet you these these Godbilly's right. oh, records are sick.
1: Uh, that record store that's like a few exits up off the Merritt Parkway, uh-huh. Red Scroll. I just they just got in that Mama Woom Woom record the oh, other day. It's how got a lot on hold for don't, me. Don't tell me that, man. <laughs> Holy
0: shit! Wait, you know, you have what?
1: some of that stuff, don't you? I don't have it. I don't have Mama Woom
0: Woom. I you have... have
1: some of the other records. Yeah, there. yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I have Plastic Eye Miracle. I got I, that's, see, that's a band,
1: dude. Literally, I heard the name. Yeah, never heard a single song until that day. We we did a podcast. We both we made a playlist or played it in the background. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I had a a song song on there. there. I didn't know who the fuck it was,
0: and I've been obsessed with them ever since. That they're um they're an interesting band, man. It's like because they um I can hear almost like a Nick Cave birthday party thing going on with them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But not at all, really. You know, no. So, the Midwest is so weird. Yeah. Well, that's like most. That's all right. That's the thing, man. Like, this podcast is about amphetamine reptile records, okay, which was started by ex Marine Tom Hazelmeyer. Gun enthusiast. (laughs) Gun gun enthusiast. Probably right leaning. um, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) You know, and uh, he started the label like way back in, um, let's see. Was it 88, you said? What did I say here? 1986. Holy shit! And he apparently he put it together just so he could put out Halo Flies records. Okay, right. All right, because that was his. That was his. Yeah, band. yeah. he was in Halo of Flies, and he had some other other things he did too. But that was like the early, you know, Amrep stuff was uh, you know, around Halo of Flies. But um, you know, once again, the late '80s. And into the 90s is a way different in landscape of music and uh, business and, and record labels and promotion and all that sort of stuff than we have now, obviously. You know? Sure, definitely. And um, I'm going to say that I think like, um, you know, SST was kind of like the template for a lot of this kind of stuff, you know. The I agree. That, especially SST. I mean, you know, there's like there was SST, Discord, and, um, you know, AT... Touch and go put out hardcore, but it's like SST kind of had that like, freewheeling, like, you know, they would have Black Flag and Hoosker Do, but then they also had like Saccharine Trust and like um, Blind Idiot God and like all this stuff. Meat Puppets. Meat Puppets and Painted Willy. Painted Willy and all this. Real wacky shit. Kind of like free open source vibe of putting out records.
1: Greg Ginn's a fucking hippie, man. That's why.
0: But like, I feel like Amrep had such a like wide variety of bands but also there was this kind of like weird like uh you know thread that connected them all kind of aesthetically you know what i mean yeah you know and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of these bands especially the earlier ones are all based out of uh the midwest
1: yeah you're right they are fucking weird place (laughs) yeah
0: absolutely i've spent enough time in the midwest So as a companion to this, we put together this um, this playlist of, uh, of material that uh, is either on amphetamine reptile records, or is something that might have been around the same era as them, but was heavily aesthetically influenced by what they were doing. Right. Yeah. Because like for those for those youngsters out there. Um, You know, Randy and I are old men, you know, we're in our 40s, and uh, that our heyday was kind of like the 90s, really. Yeah. You know, as far as like being in bands and being kind of open to this kind of, you know, stuff and everything, and these kind of formative years, you know, and and that's kind of like Amra was like one of those bands that like, one of those labels, rather, and aesthetics that I think really kind of molded at least our early approach to music you know
1: absolutely man
0: because like cable you know like there's like this transition i guess probably that both of us had from hardcore punk into this weird other thing yep yeah so how's that you know what was like the the impetus for that because i know Um, you know you connecticut connecticut's known for hardcore for the most part
1: yeah man the anthrax
0: anthrax club
1: (laughs) i spent a lot of weekends at the anthrax uh yeah i don't know for me, it was uh, it was really actually kind of simple, man. Hardcore started to get really dumb to me. It started to get really tough and really dumb. And like the reason I got into that is because I didn't fit in in like the small town I grew up with. I didn't fit in with the jocks or any of that shit. I got into skateboarding. I got into hardcore. And then hardcore just got really dumb and vi- really violent. And uh, all the jocks that I went to high school with all of a sudden started showing up at these shows. And it was just like, you know. I don't want to be a part of that anymore, but I didn't really know what I was looking for. But from going to, uh, you know, Trash American Style and cool record stores, I would see all these records. When I was still into hardcore, I would see, uh, you know, Unsane records and Melvin's records and Neurosis records and stuff like that. And eventually, just from talking to, you know, Malcolm from Trash or Ben Barnett, who used to who owns Armageddon Shop now, great record store. He used to work at a place called Fast Forward in Providence. That's where I bought a lot of like uh, the first Sleep record, Melvin's Bullhead, early Unsane records, stuff like that. So I transitioned into that because I was looking for something more than what hardcore hardcore gave me all it could give me. <laughs> and It was just starting to turn. I still love a lot of that old hardcore stuff, but man, like 91 or so really was like the time I was like checking out of that, looking for something different.
0: You know, Ben, I think, might be a good guy to get on this uh, podcast, too. Ben Barnett, yeah. yeah. That'd be yes. kind of cool, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Ben's a great guy.
0: Yeah. Ben also plays in, uh, in Drop Dead, for, for those of you out there who like grindcore. Yep. Vegan grindcore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, those guys are the real deal, man. Drop Dead's been doing it for a long time.
0: Believe it or not, uh, Josh Scott, my uh, longtime friend and a guy I played in two bands with, um, he was, like, a little bit more advanced than I was when it came to music. And um, when I moved to Boston is, like, when I kind of started hearing about a lot of these bands. It was, like, 1994, somewhere in that era. And um, I met Josh. He was the roommate of this guy that uh, I ended up playing in a band with called Otis that existed in in the uh, sort of dim past, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember me and this guy were, were we had a drummer and it was this other dude who sang and played guitar and there was me on guitar and then we were getting a bunch of guys in to try out we were going to play with some bass players and Josh was um, came along and he was like you know friend hangout buddy or whatever and the drummer hadn't met Josh and when Josh showed up the drummer was like oh, are you you know are you guys going to play bass and Josh was like I'll play bass <laughs> <laughs> Now, fast forward, like, you know, six months later, he's in the band on bass right. and we're like on tour, you know what I mean, and like making a record and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, I didn't play bass. But but he was a guy who like, I remember, I always felt like he was like a little smarter than I was when it came to like, you know, what was cool musically, you know, yeah. like I was like coming out of like, you know, into like Black Flag and the Rollins Band and, and uh, you know, big minor threat fan. Yeah, same you know, here. Negative approach. Um, a lot, a big part of the SST catalog was still like in my my regular listening habits, like you know, Who's um, uh, you know, Saint Vitus, like stuff like that. Sure, and, you know, and of course, you know, metal. Like I was into death metal at the time because I was like the early '90s. And then Josh comes along with like a butthole surfers t-shirt on, and and, uh, <laughs> and he's like, "Check this stuff out, man! Like, check out some of the stuff I have like in my in my uh, collection." And it's like. Bands like the Cows and... Um, Helmet was just starting to become like a big band. And I liked them. I was like, yeah, Helmet's cool. Like, they had this real aggressive, like, sound. And uh, But then, like, we started listening to, um, you know, the Cows and, and uh, you know, bands like Surgery, which was an odd band, really, for, for Amrap. You know? Yeah, it was. Yeah, they were like this blues rock band. Yeah, you know? they are a little, uh, I guess, normal yeah
1: sort of they weren't as kind of whacked out it was a lot of the am rep stuff
0: yeah but but, yeah, but they still had this like weird it's funny like like around the same time as that there was like the, all the sub pop stuff was going on too like bands like mud honey early nirvana like right. tad and i feel like the thing the reason why i thought surgery was cool is because mud honey had like um like a blues thing going on, like they had like this bluesier, like uh, like a Stooges, yeah, 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 like kind of trip, you know, yeah, yeah. And I felt that was this, even though like the guitar player in Surgery was like a shredder, almost, you know, right. like it's like blues ripper, you know. And Steve Turner from Mudhoney wasn't really that kind of player, but like there was like this kind of like ah, I would think of Mudhoney and I would think of Surgery almost in the same kind of fuzzed yeah, out. I could, yeah, I could see that. Sure. Yeah, but that, that was, that validated me listening to surgery, though, you know what I mean? Because at the time I was like, you know, I don't know, man, this is like kind of like rock and roll. It wasn't edgy know? enough. Yeah, it didn't have like a vibe yeah. to it, you know?
1: Yeah. It's not as discordant as a lot of that stuff was, you know? But cool in its own way for sure.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Josh, Josh basically turned me on to that stuff. And I remember we had those videos on VHS, the, um, like that uh dope guns and fucking up your video deck or whatever. You, you check know, you, those out? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I have. I had a few of those back in the day.
0: Yeah, man, that that's Yeah. They collected them on DVD actually. So you, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's like a red and white DVD I think so, box yeah. or something. Yeah. Which actually let's get to the the Amrap aesthetic. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is like yeah, yeah, Basically the Nazi flag. <laughs> it yeah. was like yeah. red red white and black was like, you know, like their vibe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I yeah I think the goal uh from Tom Hazelmeyer was basically to just a huge middle finger in the face of everybody
0: yeah I think that was a fucking goal, you know, and especially like coming out of the kind of um you know once again you gotta you have to have some kind of background i guess in in the world of the the transition between the eighties and the nineties was like late 90, late eighties was um you know emo was kind of like like Rights of Spring and, you know, Embrace and Fugazi and that sort of stuff was, like, this kind of uh, very politically correct, um, inclusive kind of vibe in punk rock music. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there was, like, a lot of the kind of, like, punk stuff was, like, this almost, like, a hippie, like, vibe going on right. with that scene. And I think uh, guys like Tom Hazelmeyer <laughs> probably didn't really get too into that. They
1: had it with that shit, man. Yeah. Want part of it?
0: So there was definitely like a very gun, uh, you know, kind of like male like vibe going on with AMREP. Yeah, you know? like yeah. Almost like this, almost borderline, like a very misanthropic, anti, um, you know, not not a very, uh, you know, life affirming sort of vibe to AMREP, You know, which <laughs> I think fit very nicely into your yours and mine like mindset at the time, possibly.
1: Yeah, which it's a weird uh, kind of slice of what he was... I mean, I don't really know what he was going for, but, like, because you describe, you know, the uh, the vibe of AMREP and uh, kind of alienating itself from that kind of peace-loving punk rock shit. Yeah. You know, guns and all that stuff. But, like, your average people that, like, like guns and lean to the right would fucking hate the music he was putting out. <laughs> That's why it was so great, because... Yeah. It's just so, like, the dynamic was so confusing to people. If you didn't get it, you didn't get it. That's it, man. Like, your average dude in the Midwest hammering down Budweisers in a pickup, I'm sure he loves fucking guns, but he's not digging the cows. No, hell no. He would, like, kill himself if he yeah. had to hear the cows. You know what I mean? So the whole, the whole dynamic of it was kind of crazy.
0: And also, Amrith brought in this thing which is absent from a lot of music these days, this very dark sense of humor. You no, know, absolutely you know I mean? it's like that absolutely back then it, w- it was like a lot of the artwork you know they used swastikas and oh like, yeah you know like like uh freely freely used all this like weird <laughs> nazi imagery <laughs> and there would be yes you know peanuts characters with cocks and shit like that you know like <laughs> right right you know like stuff like that and, and it was like in this day and age like you could never ever pull something like that off without getting you know antifa like burning yeah. your warehouse down or you something. You would get hammered. you get beat up by, like, a bunch of dudes and, like, vegan kids and ski masks or something, you know?
1: AMREP does still exist today in a different form. Yeah. But it could never... St- I don't think it could ever start today.
0: Do they still put records out?
1: Yeah, they do. Like, is it reissues or is it actual new releases? Uh, it's. I, I don't... I think they reissue some stuff, but not in the, like, same way they put out records before. They yeah. do, like, limited vinyl pressings. With like real special artwork and stuff like that, and they're all like pricey because you, you know they're they're boutique releases. Like they'll put out a new a new Melvin's record, they'll do like a special vinyl version of it, and they'll do like a couple hundred of them, and they're yeah. like eighty bucks a pop or whatever.
0: Right, and they sell out in thirty seconds. Actually, it's come come to speaking of rare and politically incorrect artwork, <laughs> there's the you remember the um the Melvins seven inch series. Yes. Right. Then they all had death's heads on them. Yes. Because the artwork was literally just like a a death's head, like the SS. Like yes. And yes. Uh, the Melvins logo was in this like old English, you know, yep. like very very uh, fascist looking font. Yes. And um, in my opinion, the material on those seven inches was not some of their best work, unfortunately. Well, they have a lot of work. Yeah, they do. Not all of it's not all of it is something I like, but that's just me.
1: You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a big Melvins fan, and I appreciate most of it. I love some of It is, I think, incredible. But yeah. they put out so much stuff. I don't know how anyone could love it all and be honest about that. <laughs>
0: but those, those <laughs> 7 know. Inches, though, I remember at the time I was working at the Newberry Comics warehouse in Austin And uh, the old location, not the new location. And uh, those records were coming out... Um, you know, every month I think there'd be a release or something or whenever they came out. And I remember they never made it to the stores. Everyone, everyone, because, <laughs> you know, part of the gig, like part, part of the whole point of having that gig there was you can get discounts on, on everything, you get first pick and the shit came through the warehouse and there'd be like three copies of it. And of right. course, you know that. Me and Aaron Harris and, like, Cliff, like, (laughs) got those records, you know what I'm saying? And they never even made them. Some of the times, sometimes these seven inches came in, and maybe one copy made it to the store because we bought, like, (laughs) as they came out unfairly ahead of everybody. They That's perks of the job. Yeah. But that was kind of uh, what I'm trying to get at, though. That's the level of, like, maniacal obsession and dedication that I had to that label because I just figured, like, you know, and maybe like wrongly at the time, <laughs> I just figured that everything they put out was like gonna be great, you know, right, and mostly yeah. it was
1: mostly it was I, I can't say everything on amrap that I, I love, although I love the uh, idea of Amrap and the way he did it. so if I bought a record on Amrap that I didn't like, I didn't really care because it was still supporting the label and what he was doing, so yeah, you know,
0: but uh as it's just they're also. Especially in Boston, because I was like where I was living during the heyday of this whole thing. There seemed to be this, um, you yeah, like a parallel scene existing among a relatively small group of uh, musical, you know, enthusiasts and musicians that was pretty heavily influenced by like the sound of AMREP, which is like this, you know, misanthropic, you know, kind of antisocial, noisy... Um, you know, characterized by like distortion and kind of like uh, you know heavy drums and you know a lot of noise basically. And uh, and there was like this this small group of bands that were not on AmRep, but you and yes. I are both huge fans
1: of. Right. Yeah. There's quite a few from yeah. all around the country.
0: Yeah, from all around. But I was just thinking yeah. mainly for yeah. me because my my the whole awareness Boston. of this thing was like yeah. Boston. Well,
1: Otis, your first band had. Uh, Noise rock elements, I think.
0: Yeah, I see a notice. You did? Oh yeah, right with the yeah, like like Caspar yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was an interesting thing, man, because like the drummer had no idea about any of this stuff. The drummer was like uh, into like heavy rock music, and you know, I think he might have um, great guy. Like I really, I, someone I more or less still in touch with is a drummer of that band, and and he, um, you know, he had more of like a conventional musical thing going on. And me and Josh were the guys that were, like, heavily into, like, the Amrep stuff and the Melvins and all that.
1: I could hear some Helmet, some Melvins. Yeah, definitely, definitely
0: some Helmet. Definitely, Absolutely Helmet, huge Helmet. Um, The singer, other guitar player, though, indicated to me that he dug all these bands, never creatively was, like, one to... uh, He never came across with anything that sounded like that, like, his... I, I this is you know, my thing is like I think that like in the '90s, with um, Nirvana being you know multi stars and Soundgarden and uh, you know Alice in Chains becoming you know whatever maybe a few years after that but like there was like this thing of like alternative rock you right know? and I feel like that might have been his kind of um, green light in a way to be creative in a way that wasn't necessarily along the lines of, like, of total negativity that we were going for. Right. <laughs> you know, I think he saw the band because all these bands were getting signed at the time. Because like, even in Boston, there was, like, all these, you know, bands that getting signed to major labels. Like, even before that, there was, like, that band Seika, the thrash band. Oh, yeah. They got yeah. signed. They changed their name to Strip Mine because uh, the porno actress Seika sent them a cease and desist. And then... Uh, Letters to Cleo, they had the song I on that whatever, like, nine Be- it was a Beverly Hills 90210 or two oh, one zero. Did whatever. they play live at uh, the Peach Pit or they, had, they had some, something, I don't know, they they were, they were like, you know, rock stars or whatever. Right. You know, then of course it was like the Lemonheads and. Yeah. So, so Boston was like on the map in a certain way and I feel like this kid was like, yeah, this is my shot, you know, I got like a band, people come and see it. You know, like there's a label that put our records out and this is my like big, you know, push to become like a, you know, rock star or whatever. So his, Mm -hmm. I think his vocals never really married up with the band so well. Right. And like his lyrics were about shit that I couldn't relate to and stupid and whatever. You know, I say that in complete, you know, I'm cool with whatever. I don't, you know, it's, it's something I can talk about because it's something I played on. So... I never really thought that Otis was on the same caliber as like say a band like Lagratona well Lagratona La a lot of bands were on yeah the,
1: uh, the same level as them and th- that's like an underappreciated band which I think most of these bands that we're going to talk about outside of you know the Melvins and Helmet and stuff like that, Lagratona to me was a band so ahead of the curve, so ahead of the time just they were just incredible. they were just insane uh, they'll never get. The credit they deserved
0: yeah i mean i i um Taz is a really good friend of mine obviously to this day i mean he played an early version of anodyne right and uh yeah to him he's just like proud of it but he was just like yeah whatever man we made some tapes you know right <laughs> like, right but um yeah they were they were like if they had come out because the thing with lagartona was that they definitely were like a, in the quote-unquote noise rock world, which I hate that term. Yeah, because that term didn't exist back then, really. No, I know. And um, and they also were dudes who played in like hardcore bands. Yet they were a little ahead of where hardcore went with with the sort of discordant chaos, you know, sure. bands like Dead Guy and yeah, you know. So I think that if Lagartona actually come out like maybe three or four years later, they might have. Gotten signed to like Victory Records or something like that, you know, or, or Revelation would have put you out. Do you
1: think a, so? I, I don't know. I mean, I hey, man. a little
0: too weird. Victory put out Dead Guy. True. They put out uh, Bloodlet. Right.
1: Yeah. They yeah. Know,
0: very unusual I, bands.
1: They are, but I think Lagrotona was. The, yeah. Both those bands had one thing. That had more of a metal feel, I think. Yeah, than, that's true. Than yeah. Lagrotona. Yeah. That that uh, they had something marketable. True. Yeah, tota as amazing as I don't mean this in a bad way, there wasn't a lot marketable in my opinion about that band. Well, they had a very charismatic frontman. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, but Colin, I don't think in a way like a label guy is going to look at a band and be like, "Yeah, I think you know, I think people are going to like this." Like,
0: I, I don't know. To me, that band was just so weird. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just wishful thinking. Could, could I, be wrong, yeah, you know, but yeah. I, I also feel like. um I remember at the time I was thinking like, well, you know, they got this very charismatic front guy playing this like very very hard to listen to music and like if anyone was going to like put money into one of these obscure bands, it would have been them because of that combination of like really brutal music and you know brutal in a in, in a different way than like say the Melvins were brutal, you know. Right. They were like real visceral, they like this like very right. you know, tribal drums and crazy guitar parts and vocals are just like gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. That that band could have had like a little bit of a push, at least for one record, you know. Well they were
1: that good. Yeah, that they're great. They they should have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um And then, you know, along with the bands that weren't on Amrep, uh one of my f- well, two of my favorites, since you're talking about Boston, uh Boston area, was Glaze Baby, which I think is right there with Lagartona, one of the most underrated bands yeah. of the quote-unquote noise rock. Definitely. Scene. Everything they put out I think is amazing. Uh, I've seen them play a lot back in the day to nobody. I mean, nobody. I mean, like three people. Cable played a few shows with them. To nobody. They were still to this day probably the loudest band I've ever seen live. Especially at a club setting, you know. Um, I, they're just incredible. <laughs> now all their records are out of print. Like a lot of these bands, all these records are out of print, hard to find. You can find it on YouTube and stuff like that. But they were one. And then the other band uh, was Craw from Cleveland. Who played
0: recently. Like within the yes. last few years, they had a reunion.
1: Right, they played a few shows. Yeah. Um, but i also seen them, you know, to not many people. And they're just an incredible band. Hard to describe,
0: man. Uh, they're like the King Crimson in noise rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crow and musicians. And the, the sad part yes. about Craw was when I went to see them at St. Vitus a, few, a couple of years ago. There was like two sold-out shows there. Yeah. And I'm like, where the fuck were these motherfuckers when this band was around, man? It's like... If like half of those people would have came out to see them like back in the day life would have been a little bit easier for those guys
1: yeah a lot easier well i brought up those two bands together because uh they did a tour together glaze baby and craw they did a huge tour together and uh i just remember the tour derek hess did a he used to do a lot of tour posters for those bands yeah Yeah, it was like a pig and like a ballerina dress Mm And then it was the name of the tour was You Guys Play Like a Bunch of Girls. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> it was like, it was two of my favorite bands, man. I've been still trying to hunt that poster down. It goes for big bucks, I think, on eBay or whatever. But uh, those two bands blew my mind outside of the AM Rep world. And there's others too, but those two in particular. Yeah, definitely. The star is so good.
0: Yeah, there was, um, like, definitely Derek Cass was one of those guys that in the 90s, you would see his artwork, him and, and uh, Frank Kozik. And, yep, Kozik. And uh, you would oftentimes see, like, look him up on on Google. Like Anyone out there who's, like, you know, young or, you know, still young <laughs> and <laughs> interested in cool stuff, do a, do a Google search for Derek Hess and, and Frank Kozik, and uh, you'll see some of the incredible shows that happened back in the day with, like, yes. you know, there would be, like, Melvin's Jesus Lizard helmet you know like crazy builds right. like that three, headliners three like insane bands and like you know or, or tar which is a band we haven't talked about yet but yeah right you know something like that and that's what i mean like i remember when i lived in boston every weekend it was like i would just be seeing shows like this you know right. not you know not specifically all amrep bands but it'd be like steel pole bathtub we'd come through town and uh i would see the cows i would see uh you know, Laughing Hyenas played a couple yeah. few times when I was living there. Amazing. You band. know, Glazed Baby would oftentimes be supporting these bands. Right. You know, La Gratona. Craw, I only saw Craw twice, I think, back in the day. And one time my old band played with them. And uh, and then I saw them more recently. But, right. you know, that doesn't count really, you know, because we're all, like, fat and old now. <laughs> and no one cares.
1: I see one of the Boston, Boston shows, uh, the first time I seen Craw, Craw played the Middle East upstairs, and the Cows played downstairs. It was one of those. Remember the shows used to do there? Pay one admission. Oh yeah, bullshit. Okay. Yeah, Craw played upstairs. Cows downstairs.
0: What was what's insane about that idea is that uh, the Cows, another band who is kind of unmarketable, really, completely played the Middle East downstairs, which is a capacity of like either six or eight hundred people. Yes. Now, I mean. I might have been at that show. It probably wasn't sold out, but there was a lot of people. There was a lot of people there. Yeah, yeah, there were. There were a lot. I don't know if it was sold out either, but there was a lot of people there. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it took a lot to sell that place out for sure. Yeah, you know, eight hundred people, six hundred people, whatever. But it was definitely a lot of heads were at that show, and that's like you know to think about a band like the cows pulling in like two hundred people is crazy these days. It's really crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Really crazy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's um, yeah, that, that was a, a heyday of like good shows, and uh I don't know it's it's weird because I don't it, it's funny to think maybe maybe it's because I'm so fucking old, but like I just don't feel compelled the same way I did during that time to go out and see these see bands. like I don't feel like, like, for example, you could see a bill with like these three mammoth bands on it. That just doesn't happen anymore, I feel like. I feel like it doesn't
1: either. Yeah. A lot of times I wonder too though, is this is there shit happening and I'm just too old and tired to yeah. seek it out. But when I think about that, I say no. <laughs> that's not that's not the case. There's just not as much cool shit happening. Yeah, you know, that's that's how I feel about it, man. I don't know. Uh well, one more show at the Middle East upstairs. Speaking of stacked bills, was Zenigiva, Japan. Today is the day, English baby.
0: Oh yes, I was at that show as well.
1: Yeah, and Cable played the the show the night before in Connecticut. We we were the opening band on that package, uh, which was a mind blowing two days because we went to the show again in Boston. You know, the night after.
0: Now I'll bring up one important fact: that Today is the Day was the opener. In Boston. Today is the day went on first.
1: Yeah, I already remember. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is something. This is notable because, you know, I'm not going to fault you if you've never heard of Zinigiva or Glaze Baby. Yeah. However, most of you probably have heard of Today is the Day who are still active and still putting out records. Still going strong. And touring strong. and going strong. Back then, this was, uh, this, this was the first, the self-titled um, release Yep, that was the that was thing. their first relapse record. Oh wait, no, no, that, no, was, their that was their last, last Amaran record. record. Right, sorry right. about that. And so they'd been around for a bit. Yeah, you know, they put out a couple records and they've been around for a bunch of years at that time. Um, yet they went on first. Like I, there might have been a local before them, but like on the tour package, they were the first out of the three. I don't. Rem- I don't remember that. It was. It, I, I believe you. Yes, it was. I, it was. I don't remember that. But they. It was one of the most powerful things I've well, ever fucking seen, man.
1: Yeah, all I have to say about that is I, I just get through gushing over Glee's Baby, who I think are incredible, and Zenny Giva was also incredible. Yeah. But I hate to be the person, the band, following Today's the Day, especially in that era of Today's the Day, the, the early, you know, pre relapse Today's the Day. Yeah. Um, Because if there was ever a band that blew my mind back then, man, it was Today's the Day. I mean... They were a game changer in a lot of ways. Like, some of these other bands I love, but they were just a complete game changer the way I I looked at heavy music. The way I listened to heavy music.
0: Yeah, because they... You really had no idea where these guys were coming from, too. It's like, you know, there was like... um, a lot, there was kind of like a metal thing going on, even before. Like, most of these Amaret bands didn't have like a distinct metal thing Hardly going any on. of them. Hardly right any of them. They were like punk, like a chaotic punk kind of thing. Like, there was like a lot of blues, you know, like cows have a big blues feel, you know, surgery. Even early Unsane has like this bluesier kind of vibe to it, even though they were just like crushingly noisy. But there was like right. a, a blues thing in there, too. But today's a day where, like, this, um... You listen to that, those early records, and there's, like, a metal thing, there was, like, a prog thing, there was, like... And then there was, like, this completely brand-new element of their own thing that was added to that, which was completely unique and really, in my opinion, didn't come before that. Right, I agree. You know, and, and no one has ever really... I mean, yeah, there's tons of bands out there that are... Disciples of what Steve Austin were doing, but no one has ever really captured what that guy's been able to do.
1: No, especially the early days of, yeah. uh, of uh, you know, I uh, me and the drummer Cable both used to work at a club in Connecticut called Studio One Fifty Eight, which was around for a couple of years, Central Connecticut. And uh, Vic, our drummer, he did more so booking. I booked some shows, but he booked a lot of shows there. So he would get back in the days when labels would mail you promos for everything with hopes of you booking their band. I was at his apartment one day hanging out, and he got the mail, and Today is the Day Willpower showed up. (sighs) Neither one of us ever heard of Today is the Day at that point. Didn't know what it was. Put it in the CD player, and that is a pivotal moment (laughs) for me, wanting to make heavy music. It's the way I thought about heavy music. That record... More, than, more so that, I will say this, more so than any other record changed the way I appra- approached music. Yeah. I that mean, record to me is fucking perfect. And I could easily put three Today is the Day records in my top you know 25 records of all time, easily. But Willpower. And then Cable played with them on the Willpower tour shortly after that. And the live performance was... Even more insane than the, than the the album it was just such a game changer uh I, I don't even i don't even know what to what to say about it it was so uh such an important record for me that record was so amazing
0: the thing a uh, thing that about today is the day too that's like you know they they kind of fit in this like weird slot between a lot of different things like there was it touched on the fringes of a lot of different styles of music. I mean, if you were—and I'm talking more like out of people who would appreciate the band. It's like if you were into hardcore and punk, and you were on that, that fringe of hardcore and punk, and then if you're into metal and you're on that fringe of, of metal, and you were into like the kind of more AmRep kind of stuff, you like more of like the touch and go, you know, harder indie rock type stuff, and you're on that fringe. Like that band kind of touched on all those fringes, and they just created this like, you know, fortress like where all those different provinces of extremity sort of touched, and they created like this 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 kingdom right there, you know. And that's like, you know, like you. I mean, the bands that we've played in are, you know, we don't really fit into any, you know, any kind of category or any kind of neat description. So I think that. You know that was really intense like on my like approach to music too when i heard today is a day it was like oh wow i could do like i could be into the swans i could be in a black flag i be in slayer right i could be into like dark throne or whatever enjoy division and then just make you make it your own thing that was all those things but completely on its own you know wavelength and that was the thing about i remember when i was in that band otis we toured with um with fetus over in europe and I had a Today's Day t-shirt on, and Jim Thorwell was like, oh, yeah, I know that band. And I was like, oh, cool. He's like, "It's like yeah, that guy keeps sending me the re- his records. And, <laughs> and, you know, he's like, I'm like, yeah, man, it's great stuff, you know. And, and and But that, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, of course that dude is into Fetus because right. he's into everything, you know? right, Right, right. And you know him better. I mean, I don't really know Steve. I, like like, you know him, you know. Yeah, I know him well. Yeah. Spent a
1: lot of time from that show Cable Played. On the Willpower tour, uh, we became friendly with Steve and went on to, you know, make records with Steve. We made a lot of cable records with Steve and spent a lot of time just hanging out, talking about music or whatever, and uh, got to know Steve real well. Um, but you know, that was another, cable was extremely influenced uh, by that early today's today is the Day stuff, and it also cable uh, has been accused of taking a lot of. Exits from the path of where we started like doing one record that sounds this way one record that sounds this way And one of the things to me that made that okay was I uh, was today is the day Because the first two today is the day records supernova and willpower arguably their best work
0: I, I agree. They're the ones I listen to the most
1: but after that All almost all their records are vastly different. Yeah uh, You know after they ditch the bass player for the self title record and all of a sudden there's a, a guy playing keyboards and no bass player it was it was awesome But it was like a total Turn and then the next record temple of the morning star There's more like metal starts to creep in even more. Yeah, but like it's like a metal butthole surfers. Yep <laughs> You know Definitely. And then, then there's in the eyes of God and the drumming style Brad Leaves, who I still think is probably my favorite drummer of all time for, for you know, non-metal type music. Yeah, definitely.
0: And then they put out In the Eyes of God, which is a, it's a metal record. Yeah. So, you know, Braun and... and... All Braun. right, now, let's, put it, let's, let's not say Mastodon, because at the time that didn't exist. But right. Braun and Bill from Lethargy lethargy which was like very technical metal it's like technical death metal band from rochester and these guys were very much in that in that vein of playing of like technical death metal grind like right. i remember my old band otis i remember like we had an immolation sticker in the van and uh we were driving around Rochester with Braun and Bill in the, ba- in the van. Oh, wow. And Braun used to have, used to, he used to dress like Bernie, actually. He used to have, like, creepers and, like, a pompadour. <laughs> right, right. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And, like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, man, immolation. And I'm like, fuck, this guy likes immolation. <laughs> <laughs> and then I st- and that night we were playing with Lethargy, and I saw, like, what that guy was able to do with the drop yeah. set. And I was like, oh, man. And then... Okay. Yeah. Fast forward a few years later, they're living out in Western Massachusetts playing a Today is the Day. Right. And uh, that was before Mastodon was even like an idea in anyone's right. brain, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah, it was created. All those uh, Today is the Day still, and still to this day keeps making like pretty different records, you know? I mean, and they all sound like Today is the Day because, you know, Steve is there doing it. The centerpiece is there making that music, writing that music, creating that music. And from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Which yep. is important to mention. Definitely we seem to be hitting the location topics with a lot of these bands. All those those first four records were written and recorded in Memphis, Tennessee. A band like that to come from, you know, Memphis, Tennessee.
0: Yeah, you know, but it's like I haven't been to Memphis a bunch of times. Like I can in a way Understand why somebody would make music like that from there.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> well, to, to to take the words right out of Steve's mouth, they created that music to drive the rednecks crazy.
0: Sure, <laughs> that would do it.
1: Pretty sure it succeeded. Yeah, you know, uh,
0: you know, I've been been there a bunch of times, and like, there is like this heavy, like oppressive, like vibe there. Of, I mean, and if anyone out there is from Memphis, no disrespect, you just got to understand that I'm from a different part of the country. Right and like I, I would, you know, hey, you know the Northeast has its own oppressive.
1: <laughs> yeah, know, you could say that again.
0: But um, but for me coming from like the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, and coming out to um, that part of the world, it's like there's a there's a thing there that seems to motivate that sort of creativity the same way like the suburbs would you and I you know or whatever right. sure but, so I can understand that you yeah. know and yeah. Tennessee is kind of you know, abuts the Midwest. You know, True. which is like yeah, it's part that. of that AmRep sort of vibe. You know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I need to get more into like the later today's the day records. Like I kind of fell off, and then you played me recently the uh, Animal Mother record. Animal
1: Mother, yeah, yeah, that's the the it's latest fucking one. Fucking great, man. Yeah, I think it's cool. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, and they're making a new record right now. I just seen uh, some photos of them up in Maine. Where their operations are now in Maine, from Memphis
0: to Western Mass, to Western Mass, back
1: to Memphis, to about as far up in Maine as
0: you can go. Wow! Did (laughs) you um, have you recorded in all of his different studios? I know not, maybe not the Memphis one, but no, not Memphis. Although we talked about it, we never did. Uh,
1: Recorded in the two different ones that were in uh, Western Mass, the original one in Clinton, and then the second one, which was. Lunenburg, baby. It's out by. It's out that way.
0: And then you've been to the one in in Maine, right? No, no, you haven't. Uh, I know. No, I have have not been there. No. Have you heard UXO? I don't even know what that sounds like. Yeah, I was. You're going to be in that. That was the original bass player. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) What Uh, does it sound like? I never actually sat down and listened to it. It's cool, man.
1: It's pretty much what you would expect a collaboration between. Chris Spencer and Steve Austin to sound like. Like you can just clearly pick out like the Unseen guitar style, the Today's Today guitar style. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's a it's a cool record. You know, it was kinda of pieced together with people recording their stuff separately. They did that short run of shows, so I don't think they, you know, really get the time to like gel as like a, a unit, but it's it's a cool it's a cool thing. Yeah, I was I was originally supposed to play bass on it and for Different reasons it didn't work out. Who played bass on it, though? Anyone we know? A uh, guy from Boston, his name uh Arnie. Arnie? He, uh, he's a bit. Uh, Somehow that name. He's been playing in bands for, around Boston for a while. Okay. Right now, he was in, actually, he was in a band called Whitey.
0: Oh, yeah, with, uh, with the guy from Glaze Baby. Andy, from Andy. Glaze yep. Baby. Mm-hmm. I have some of those.
1: Yeah, Cable plays a show. There the you band go. Too. Maybe
0: that's where I know that name. Yeah. From.
1: Okay. Uh, just he's a guy I've seen around a yeah. lot, and he's probably done other bands too. I'm just not familiar with what he's done. Um, so he ended up playing bass on the record because I couldn't do it or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a cool record, man. It's definitely worth checking out. And that just, was on Reptilian.
0: Oh, right from from uh, from Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. They still they put out some good shit, man. Yeah, Reptilian they, records. They put out the it, uh, both
1: Easy Action yep. records.
0: And they put out Cutthroats Nine too. Yep. Yeah.
1: There's another like. Weird
0: label that you know. heroin cheeks. I want to say they put some yeah, up by them. Saw so, uh, Shannon from the from, cows. From the cows. Right? Yeah. Um, also, one of the great, one of the best records brick and mortar record stores that ever existed was Reptilian. When I it never ended. went there, dude. I remember I forgot what anodyne tour it was, but it was a tour that we did, and we had um, our buddy Leaf was doing um, merch for us, and. uh yeah, you know, at the time he was a younger this is this you know, that band existed like over ten years ago. So everyone was a lot younger back then. But Leaf was like a young guy, you know what I mean, yeah. like in his twenties. And uh yeah, you know, he was into like hardcore and punk and you know, whatever, metal, but he didn't really know about some of this stuff. So I remember all throughout the tour we put out put on these records and talk and oh you know, this is cool. And like he'd write down like all these like names and records and bands. Mm-hmm. Right. And the last day of the tour was in Baltimore, and I remember, you know, over the course of the tour, we'd go to these record shops, and Lee would, oh, I got this record here, I got Tar Jackson, you know, whatever. And then he had, like, a list of just some records he couldn't find, and we went to um, Reptilian, and Chris X was, like, you know, the the man. the guy. And he was there, and we were talking to him, and leaf was like going through all the racks he's like finding all the records that he yeah. couldn't find then he had like three that he just were not in in the, the bins and uh, i forgot what they were um and then i was like oh, how are you coming along on your list you know i was telling chris i'm like yeah you know he's like going through so like, let me see your list man he's like grabs his list. he's like i have these three records back here so he like went to like the the, <laughs> the, the secret, secret stash of stash. like yeah. records and he found the three that completed his list of shit right and um, yeah that guy like good good dude um, you know one of those people that's like you know you, you're you're real you know you're fucking tight with for like a number of years and they just kind of drift away somewhere sure yeah so I, I don't you know just I don't know he's living his life somewhere but uh, I remember every now and then for the subsequent years after that tour he'd be like oh dude I'm like obsessed with this and that and, like, just, like, really into, like, buying records and it was just cool, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, yeah,
0: that's, like, Reptilian, I think, you know, it was sad when I heard they were they were shutting down the store,
1: you know? Yeah, I never made it there, man, but I I would guess that if you were looking for any, uh that style of music, I heard that was the spot to go, man.
0: They... Definitely. That band Whores is from Baltimore, aren't they? No. No, they're Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, Atlanta, right, right. yeah. Right. You know, it's they're a good band, definitely. But um, yeah,
1: sure. The term noise rock. Yeah, it's kind of. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I felt fine about it until a couple of years ago. What happened? (laughs) I I feel like it's, uh, and it's not like I can name like twenty bands or something right now. But there's definitely this this feeling I have that there is sort of this cycle which happens to almost everything, whether it be you know, thrash or black metal where a certain genre of underground music will reappear for some people to, uh, you know, scavenge. <laughs>
0: yeah. And no disrespect
1: to, to whores. They're a cool band. I've heard some of their stuff. I thought it was good.
0: Yeah, I've seen them play a few times, definitely. But
1: uh, I just feel like, and there are some other bands, who The names escape me right now. And uh, I'm not saying any of these bands are bad bands or bad people. I don't even really know them. But, uh, seems as like this thing that's starting to happen, where like the the noise rock thing is becoming cool. That's right? the beginning
0: of the end, man.
1: Right. Honestly, and it's <laughs> like for old bitter assholes like us who hold that shit like you know very close, doesn't to see it kind of. I don't know, man. It's, I'm a little too personal with this stuff, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because back in the day when this stuff was happening, I never imagined it being music that regular people would listen to. Never. Like, like certainly not like, like like women, you know what I mean? Like there'd be right. you know the occasional like chick that works at the record store who's like into the cows or something. Right. You know what I mean? Right, it was right, like, right, right, right. You know, but there was never like this kind of like, you know, oh yeah man, all these like good looking people are here, you know? It's like No, it was a place for you just know, miscreants. No you know? <laughs> one was good looking that was there. Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> so I think that's that's my my problem with with like Noise rock, you know, being – because that term wasn't what they – none of this stuff was called noise rock back then. Back then, no. I mean, the close – the only
1: argument you could, I guess, sort of make was that the AMREP logo a lot of the times had the word noise. Yeah. Which I assume where this noise rock term was coined from
0: i also thought that looked really cool on the logo oh me too like you yeah. get the t-shirts it's like great with the, the Amrap logo and it just says noise Wait, does it say
1: noise rock it said
0: noise it said noise yeah right. and that's kind of how noise. i felt about it i was like i right. think actually i used to refer to that music as noise i was yeah. like oh what are you into I'm like, oh, yeah, like noise but then people would be like oh like Mersbau and and, you right, know. Right, and i'm like right. no not really that but I like this kind of stuff and i right. show them my like, you know whatever Tar Jackson record, you know
1: uh, Well, there's a band We could talk a little bit about too, Tar
0: A band that I've heard Paige Hamilton say In interviews that actually influenced him Really? Oh yeah I didn't really know Paige Hamilton Was
1: into like Rock music. I mean, I thought it was more of a jazz guy Who just played guitar
0: well, you know, he was in Band of Susans, which is like a, a New York noise, whatever. Like, there was, that's let's, let's a little quick aside to the, the late 80s. Okay. There was, there was like a scene of bands in New York City, like Rat at Rat R and Live Skull and uh, Band of Susans. Like, these kind of like. How about Swans? Was yeah, you- Swans. Yeah. They were on. They were kind of like on their own vibration completely. Yeah. But there some was, early,
1: early Sonic Youth. Yeah.
0: Right? Well, fuck Sonic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, like, well, they were. They're included in that. They are.
0: They are. I, I. I'm not a fan, honestly, man. But I, I like
1: some sonic I mean, I'm not an expert. There's some no. stuff I like. Some stuff I've heard I don't like.
0: I, I. I. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate some of their music, but they're they're a terrible drummer, and no one knows how to play their instrument in that band, in my opinion. You know. And I thirst to more. Whenever I see him, I want to strangle him. I, don't <laughs> like, I just don't like his face, man. There
1: is this very uh, smug <laughs> feeling I get when, you know, yeah, it's like. Yeah, dude.
0: There's like a, there's an intangible about them that I don't like. Yeah. Know? I, I hear you. And, uh, you know, like I like Kim Gordon. I think she's cool. Yeah. You know, I read her book. Yeah, I just read her book too. Yeah. Well,
1: like a couple of years ago when it came um, out
0: if any any interest in that band has more to do with like how I think she's cool and she's got a cool voice and everything like yeah. which is the songs that she sings but um but as a band they I've seen them once and it was years after their heyday so i have never like seen them. in the him. early 90s I saw them so it was like they were already like a big arena band at that point right
1: yeah because they got scooped up yeah. and signed and all that stuff it
0: was it was when Otis was on tour and we were playing we were driving through Milwaukee and we had like a day off and uh letters to Cleo, or it was either them or this other band that was on the same label as us was opening, was on that tour and we were able to go to the show for free. Oh, okay. So like we went and hung out and got like backstage passes and, everything, and just tore up all this food and everything and like <laughs> free meal on tour, Watched, man. Yeah, totally and watched where we're
1: sitting through letters to Clio.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it was them or it was Maybe. This... it might have been this other band that uh had a guy from Moving Targets in it that was on the same label as us. But anyway, we were at the show, and that was like the only time I'd seen Sonic Youth. And I was like not impressed at all, and it wasn't really my thing. And I thought the playing was really mediocre. And the drumming was awful, dude. Whoever the drummer is in those, they never had a good drummer. They had a lot of different drummers, right? And there was another band called the Chrome Cranks that we played with in Europe. And their drummer was sucked too, and he was also in in, in uh, Sonic Youth. So can't, that's what I mean, like there. You
1: can't have a good band and a bad drummer. No, it's no, very no. rare. Definitely not. Very rare that that happens. You know,
0: and then you got, and that's when I'm leading into that drummer thing. Helmet, John Stanier, right? Insane drummer, Tar, whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, right? <laughs> I he's don't got some like, either. he's but, got like a Polish last name. That dude. Um, Totally fucking badass. Um, you brought up Tar
1: on a previous podcast you did. I think it was one of the your solo ones, man okay. the Silver Mountain thing. Sure. And I forget the context, you brought up Tar in, but you were telling a story about seeing Tar in Boston and there it was on the tour, I believe, for the over an hour with yes. their last record, and you could tell you had a vibe that yeah. felt like this is the end of this band. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, and that that's an interesting story, and it kind of made me think about tar
0: again. Yeah, sure.
1: You know, so I went back, I've been, lately been going back, listening to a lot of tar records, and especially over and out, because that's a record I just never spent a lot of time listening to. It's a great album, man. Yeah, there's a song on there called Building Taj Mahal, uh-huh. which is, I'm just obsessed with
0: it now. Yeah. <laughs> It's so great. Even that record, I remember because they didn't tour. They That, that tour that no, I that saw. Came them out, on, the record came out after exactly, that. Exactly. And which I thought was such a badass way of doing things, man.
1: Well, let me ask you this, though, because you didn't specify, I don't think. Was that the show, the tour with Jawbox? I want to say yes. Because I was at that show.
0: Yeah. I want to say that it was Jawbox open for them. Yes. And because and, they, was they so had the storm split, that night? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they covered each other's they songs. They have the static split seven inch that they right. both do each other's songs. And um, yeah, and it was something like that was the last tour. Then uh, Over and Out came out, which came out on um, on Touch and Go, not Up. Yes. but right. That and that was then. That was it. They never came back. Nope. And I remember when Tar finished playing their song, the last song of the of the set that I saw them at. Uh, what's his name there? John Moore, the singer, guitar yeah. player guy. He was so he was like. He, there was just something very snide about him, and he was just like, "It's like, yeah, I'm never going to see any fucking people ever again." Like he already knew that this is the last time he was going to come to Boston ever, right, in right. the band at least. Right, you know, and like, he was just like, "Yeah, you know, like this is it. I'm never going to come here again." And yeah, like, that I, that, I don't. Like, that I don't remember, but he said something. It was like real quick. It was towards the end of the set, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "That can't be true. They're not They have an <laughs> album coming out. They're not, not going to tour." And then uh, that was it they never came back and that and then right. maybe that experience colored the way I listened to Over and Out cuz Over and Out was like this it just had this like tr- this you know somber like sort of end of it all like vibe like this was like the the very last for the last time we're doing this you know that's how yeah. it felt to me you know
1: but well, I, I get that out of it when I listen to it now yeah. because I, you mentioned it, and then when I listen to the record, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I see what you're saying. Even the look of the record—it looks
0: like the fucking it's
1: end. Very black and white, very yep. minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very uh, bleak and cold. Not in the same way a Dark Throne or a Burzum record is bleak and cold, but you know yeah. what I'm
0: saying? Like, yeah, it just Tar like, and also listen. I, as time went on, I was I I hear different things with them. It's like when I was like in the early '90s. You know, and I was into helmet and, I, and people are like, oh, if you like helmet, you'd like tar. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, there's that start stop, like syncopated drumming. Right. There's like this like very repetitive thing going on. And, um, you know, I'm like, this is great. I love it. You know? And then now I listen back and I hear like a, a lot of post-punk stuff in there. Yeah. Like I hear like a Joy Division thing. I hear right. like. Right.
1: It's even like, yeah. Uh, wire. Yeah. Wire. Gang of four. Yeah,
0: Gang of four. All that stuff.
1: Yeah. Definitely. I, I actually, uh, I admit, back when Tar was together, I wasn't the biggest fan of Tar. I, I liked the records I checked out. I liked them at that show. Um, only in the last few years, I've gone back to it, and I get way more out of it now than I did that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like
0: they also had this like quintessential Chicago '90s like aesthetic vibe, yes. like look. You know, like, everything about him was, like, Chicago. Like, they're all, like, these kind of, like, Polish guys, you know, and they're, like, the the smart haircuts and everything. And Yeah, it was kind of pretentious in a lot of ways. And the the very understated dress, the way they dressed was, like, you know, just very, like, understated with, like, these kind of, like, dickies. and
1: Right, right.
0: You know, this black and white thing going on. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, a weird pretentious thing. And I remember... I forgot what record it was, or maybe it was like one of the seven inches where they had the liner notes for like, you know, the recording, like, you know, recorded at, you know, electric audio at night after work, you know, like, (laughs) like, and you imagine, I know, because John Moore is like an engineer or something, right? Like he, and you imagine this dude like at the plant, you know, like in, you know, whatever, like doing some design work or whatever. And then he's like, Oh, it's five o'clock. I got to go. i got to go to the studio. Then he. You know goes to the studio, takes a tie off, and like starts playing like whatever this you know record they're in. Some
1: on. ways that's not much different than uh, your life was at one time,
0: eh, yeah. But I, I was like,
1: You weren't from Chicago, it's the only I day. wasn't I was
0: from Chicago, but I also wasn't like I didn't like my job really. I imagine John's do John you think he likes his job? I imagine him being into the career that he has because obviously he's I think he still does it if you look him up on Google. He's, like, uh, you know, manager of the mechanical engineering department really? at, like, some, you know, company somewhere in the so Midwest. So much
1: fatar coming back, huh? Oh, yeah. Well,
0: they, <laughs> they did, though. Yeah, they played a couple shows. They played one of those, right. like, touch-and-go whatever things.
1: 25-year anniversary. Yeah. They this played a show this year. The summer they played a show. No way. Yeah, out somewhere in the Midwest, probably Chicago.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, it could yeah, be. I think
1: they, they made it clear it was going to be the last time they were ever going to perform. Damn. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So,
0: so that's would a guy. I appreciate
1: it so much more now than I would have then. And I liked it then, but I yeah. think I'd really like to see them now. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, yeah. I, I've seen Tar, I don't know how many times, man. Maybe like Tar and Helmet and Unsane are probably. The, I've seen those bands the most out of all these bands. Right. You know, Helmet, like. You know, Helmet in a way doesn't count because they were. Um, I mean, they definitely do. But. Most of their career has been on a major label. Yeah, you know, yeah. but and I saw them. I never saw them when they were actually on Amrap. They were like in, in the Not meantime. me neither. Yeah, yeah
1: I never see I seen them on strap the strap it on tour, and then I made the mistake of going to the aftertaste.
0: Oh, dude! Tour. Um, I've seen them like probably about ten times. Otis played with them once, but it was towards the very end. Well, it's not the end actually, because they still put records out, but. Towards no, no the, it was the end. <laughs> it was towards the end of that first run when it was like they had the revolving dwarves of rhythm guitar players.
1: Yeah, I believe the guy on Afrotase, or oh. at least Tord, was the guy Chris Trainer, who was in Orange Nine Millimeter. Yeah. And uh, maybe some hardcore bands before that, Fountainhead or something, I don't know.
0: That was the dude that played guitar for them when we played with him in, in Portland, Maine, actually. And... uh I thought I didn't think it was very good actually. I thought he yeah, was kind of terrible. I thought me
1: too it was awful. Yeah. Uh, after after I day show I went to in Providence, he was playing guitar and it was it was abysmal. Man, I felt fucking sorry for them.
0: Then I saw them, but they many times prior to that they were great. Like I saw yeah the time H- I seen H- them before H- they were sick. Helmet Rollins band yeah. and sausage, sausage. plays sausage. played out in um, somewhere like in in the wilds of massachusetts oh yeah it was like a
1: fucking like a hockey, track or like, a, like a hockey <laughs> rink or something yeah yeah I, I, like, I remember that show yeah i it, didn't go but i remember the show yeah
0: sausage was cool you know less playpool yeah, project right not not the biggest i mean i like primus fine you know yeah. not the biggest uh fan though but i thought they were great rollins of course was great I loved you know that was Same here. you know great seeing any time in the 90s seeing a rollins band was awesome and, i thought i think you could actually
1: I think some of those early Rollins bands' records would qualify as, uh, you know, noise rock, our I favorite feel, term. But dude, there's some noisy, discordant, yeah. heavy, weird playing on those records, man.
0: I feel like we could do a whole other episode of Rollins Band. We should do We that. should do a Rollins Band episode. Yeah. I think that's the next one then. That's we're, good. By, the, by the way, we decided we're going to do this uh, <laughs> regularly, semi regularly, as much as we do regular things here. But. But I think that might be the next topic. It'd be a good one. It'll be like um, There's a maybe, lot of ground to cover there. Like, like maybe the, the these episodes will be topic, boom, right? Yeah, what do you that's a good idea. That? Yeah, topic. This topic yeah. that. Yeah, I like that. It's yeah. got a nice sort of touch to it, right? So, but yeah, that that um the era that that helmet was in with that tour was they had that dude. He looked like a personal trainer, I think, or something. He was like like a dude that you would see like. Working out people. Oh wait a minute! Uh, I can't remember uh, what his name. Rob, uh, Rob something or other. I think he was in Rest in Pieces. Okay.
1: From old New York hardcore, right? Band. Yeah, I know
0: the band for sure. Yeah. And then he didn't. He go on to be in Biohazard. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's the guy. Rob, I forget his last name. Rob starts with an E. His
0: last name. Yeah, they had like this Italian dude in the band. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then yeah. like that. That was great though. They were. He was sick. I thought that guy's a great guitar player. Yeah. yeah he was great.
1: Was he in Handsome, too, that guy? No,
0: no. That was the original guy in Helmet. <laughs> oh, uh... Dave Manigetti, I think his name is. Mani- Manichetti. Manigatti, Steve Maneghati. <laughs> <laughs> let, uh, let me find it. I, I want to make, just out of respect, I want to get that right, because that guy was in the heyday of the band.
1: I thought Handsome was Tom Capone. And, no, it was
0: Tom Capone and, and that dude. And that, I thought it was gonna, that Rob
1: guy. No. It was the other guy? No.
0: We're going to get to the bottom of this. Let's see. Paige Hamilton. Let's members. I'm using Wikipedia right now. And we're, we're researching it. And we're doing a little research here. <laughs> Let's see. Band members. Okay, there's a million guys in the band. How's uh, there a million guys in Handsome? They put out one record. No, I'm looking up uh, oh, Helmet. Helmet. Oh. List of Helmet band members. Here we go. There's a whole Wikipedia entry for that. Okay, so former Pete Mengre or something like that, right? Uh, Pete Mengede. Mengede, M-E-N-G-E-D-E. He was in the early era of the band. I've seen them with that first lineup. And then he went on to be, I believe he was in Handsome. Handsome, yeah, Yeah, 1993 to 1999.
1: I've seen him with the original of that when they put out that self-titled record and did that tour, I seen Handsome,
0: so he was definitely playing with them. Yeah, and we uh, back in the '90s, Handsome played opening for Silverchair. Do you remember that band? It was yeah. like some the, the, one of the original boy bands. It's like an
1: Australian heavy metal boy band trying to be like Pearl Jam, though, kind of
0: right? They were <laughs> super young. They were these like young kids with, with like blonde hair, and you know, really nice teeth and everything, and, and they, they were, like, on this tour. They, you know, once again, this is that era of bands getting signed to majors. Yeah, everybody, yeah. And it was like they would dump a bunch of money in this band, put out a record by them, throw them on the road. Maybe they got big, maybe they didn't, and then you'd never hear from them again. And I feel like that's what probably happened to Handsome, right? Or, oh, I'm sorry, with uh, Chair. Oh, yeah. But Handsome was opening for them. And I remember Pete Hines... I don't know him personally. No, I, I don't know him personally. But yeah. he was in the cro yeah. and he was also in a, some bands from Boston. He's
1: Murphy's Law. First.
0: Yeah, Murphy's Law. Like, he knew some of the people that I knew, and we were put on the guest list to go see the show at the Paradise. And um, watched Handsome. Didn't feel it. Me neither. You know, it had some guy from Iceburn was in it. and uh, Yep, yep. You know, uh, jets to Brazil or some shit like that, you know, and like, I don't know. And then, like, um, I remember there was really no green room at at, uh, the Paradise, or there was, but they weren't, there was probably the silver chair green room. Yeah, they're getting their teeth
1: done in there, getting their teeth whitened before the show.
0: We were hanging out, like, in the upstairs, because that's, like, where the support bands had their area, and the Pete Mangetti guy just, looked so bummed out. He was, like, sitting there and just sad. How could you you not be? Because nothing, he never, I, I don't think he really did much after that. I think that, because I feel like he was like a little bit older than the other dudes, even in helmet. Because even, yeah. you know, Paige Hamilton yeah. was like in his thirties when he right. got helmet.
1: Yeah, it was just kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. But he never really, um, things never formed for him for whatever reason. Yeah, I haven't you know? heard
1: his name. I mean, he may have done stuff, but I'm not aware of it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's too bad. But yeah,
1: handsome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, handsome. Not a big fan.
0: No. But I remember reading an interview with Paige Hamilton where he was talking about how, um, you know, he was like, yeah, you know, like, that was us trying to be tar.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And like, that's wow. interesting.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, so we, we put together a list here, of, uh, which is going to end up as a uh, YouTube playlist. Because uh, a lot of this material isn't even available on Spotify, which was kind of like our, that was our go-to thing originally. Like when we did the, uh, the Springsteen um, yeah. episode, we put together a nice Spotify playlist for everyone to enjoy. But yeah. this time around, uh, there was only a, a fraction of the material that was on Spotify. Tough to point. find a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of both have some entries, compiled a bunch of stuff. Um, some of the stuff, is, it's either on AMREP or stuff that we feel fits the vibe of the label and the aesthetic, and it might, may or may not be actually on AMREP. Right. Um, oh, before we do that, I just want to mention that. Did you see the uh, AMREP documentary? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've watched it actually like like three times. It's great, right? Yeah. I love oh, it. It's amazing. And have, did, is, uh, there's also a Steve Austin documentary coming out.
1: That's coming out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know I mean, if it's out yet. It's been not. screened, I think, at really? certain places. But, like, yeah, it's called The Man Who Loves to Hurt Himself, which is a Today's the Day song. Fucking great, man. Great. And anyone who's interested in any of this shit at all should definitely check out the Amphetamine Reptile documentary that came out last year because that covers all this a lot better than we're covering it. Probably. It does a
0: pretty good job of hitting the main bands.
1: Well, especially the Am Rep bands, yeah. Yeah, and they also yeah, the have bands. a
0: good. Like Tom Hazelmeyer, they actually speak to him, and he's a man that apparently he's like hard to get a hold of. Yeah, he's you an know? interesting guy. That, he's a very, that. keeps it to, tight to the chest,
1: so they say. And the, the footage of the God Bullies and the interviews with the guys from the God Bullies and that is worth the, the price of admission oh. itself.
0: Oh, yes. Actually, <laughs> the Stu Spasm interviews are great too. Yes. He's, Stu Spasm, for anyone out there who doesn't, know who Lubricated Goat is, and I I imagine that there's probably quite a few of you out there, do me a big favor and check them out and try to look up interviews with Stu Spasm, who is the front man of that band. And Lubricated Goat apparently is still active.
1: Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. Uh, And and real quick, uh, that'd be a good idea for another episode would be an Australian episode. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Because there's so many great, weird, and not so weird, but great rock bands from Australia. No. A C D C from one. A C D C and another one, Rose Tattoo. Rose Tattoo. Just for straight rock and roll, man. And I don't think any any two bands, A C D C and Rose Tattoo, for straight, like dirty, ass kicking hard rock, man. Those two bands. One,
0: one of my favorite Australian bands though is um is Beasts of Bourbon. That's You're... a band I've heard of only from you. Oh man, dude you need and to haven't even gone down that road yet another band with like a very diverse catalog because they started in one place, went somewhere else, and then went another place and they all it's all really good. Like in the beginning, they almost sounded like the Cramps. Like they had this like rockabilly okay. like kind of like surfy, swampy kind of vibe. But then like they got into like this kind of like more hard rock sound and then like a you know this like a, a sort of croony like vibe. Like uh, blue, there's a song called "Blue Fire" that's like, you know, like some torch song, like croon, you know. Vi, it's like all oh, so good. Yeah, man. I need to and, dig into that yeah, then. And uh, what the hell's Tex Perkins, the singer? Yeah, I'm sure that's his real name. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but that dude, like, it's funny because there's there's like a look that all these Australian cats have. Sure, man. You know, they all have like like a white sh- like a white button up shirt, and like a black blazer with like some sort of like. Almost like a mullet, like haircut, you know, <laughs> like they're just these like, and, you know, Australians look, they just have a look to them, man. Yeah, man. And yeah. that guy fits the bill, man. Almost this like Cro-Magnon <laughs> face and like this hair and everything. How about a scientist? Yeah, a scientist. Like, you know, scientist. Totally. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Blood Red River. Yeah, I don't know, them.
0: Them. Uh, uh, I don't no, know them. no, no, thats a. Oh, I so thought that was a band. Okay.
1: No, I'm just yeah. now. I'm just thinking to myself
0: right. out loud. Uh, yeah, Cosmic Psychos or Amber. Birthday band. Party. birthday party can't forget them. Obviously, the boys next door. I don't know them. That's Nick Cave's band prior to the. Oh, oh fuck! Yeah.
1: yeah. I should know that. Good. They but one yes, record out. We'll do an Australian episode too. But yeah, uh, yeah. Lubricated Goat is the topic that yeah. got us to Australia. Yeah, the Amber documentary is a must-watch.
0: Also, real quick, since uh, I wanted to mention this too about today is a day where it's like you know there was this last year this this uh, rumor possibility uh, you know mis misfortune about tombs and today is the day touring together and um, I think I mentioned this once before but I really wanted to do that on a certain level it's just that it's like number one the, the U.S. tour didn't happen. <laughs> Like, at all. And the European tour was done in a really weird way with, like, I was into the idea, but we never got any kind of, like, offer to do it. And then I just saw that there was, uh, you know, promotion going on about us doing it. But maybe down, maybe next year, maybe down the line, Tombs Today's Day, I think it'd be cool. I think that'd be cool, too. It would mean a lot to me, actually, you know. So, I don't know. Anyway. Make it happen, Mike. Make it happen. Make it happen. But we have um, our list here, and um, I don't know how you want to do this. Well, your your list is a little more
1: uh, put together than mine is. I have, my, I mean, mine's pretty pretty put together. I, le- I put some bands on there and never went back and put an exact song. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I'll just run down my yeah, list, start, and
0: then we'll, we'll st- compile this, and it'll be up along with this episode. It'll be... Uh, Posted on the Facebook page and in the in the notes for the episode, we'll have a a link to the to the YouTube playlist. All right. So oddly enough, the first and this is not in any particular order, mind you, just stream of consciousness. I got i I bent scared. The the debut seven inch from today is a day, which I'm sure you are familiar with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This which came out was probably recorded, probably recorded in 1989. Yep. But it came out in like 1990. Yeah, that's crazy. And to listen to that song and realize how long ago that was written and recorded, and think about how it sounds like a song that it could have come out today by some extreme band or whatever. Yeah, or in the future. Or in the future. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the future, <laughs> someone will put a record out like this. Yeah, definitely. And I got Tar. Les Paul Worries off the record Jackson. Great song. And um, what's notable about, I have the video actually, the actual rock video, was produced by Jim Sikora, who, um who is a Chicago-based filmmaker who did a short film called Walls of the City, which uh, featured a, one David Yao playing what I believe to be Charles Buk- a Charles Bukowski character. Wow, I've never seen that movie, and it was that was
1: that his first acting because he's, he's been doing more. Yeah, he's been doing a lot more. of acting these days. Yeah.
0: it might it might have been one of his early, if not first. Wow, oh, I got to see that. Yeah, they're see hard that? to find, dude. I don't yeah. know. Maybe look it up on YouTube. But, but uh, Jim Socorro was a kind of around, like he he was like in and of that time. Like you would see videos by other bands that would utilize him. Uh, you know, he was, you know, very much in that DIY like early you know, kind of filmmaking, you know, onslaught that came out in the late 80s and the 90s, you know, like Richard Kern and, like, Nick Zed and those types right, of guys. Right, Kind of in that same vein. But anyway, okay. he, he did that tar video. And then um, Helmet, Sinatra off of uh, Strapping On. Great. A song I didn't really like when it came out. Like, when I first heard Strapping On, I felt like that was kind of, like, a throwaway song. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because it wasn't, like, aggressive and didn't have that syncopated drumming Yeah, it was kind of a sore thumb song. Yeah. But... As time went on, that sort of brooding, like, dreariness of that song grew on me.
1: That kind of sets it
0: apart. Yeah, it's In a, a way, very a good different way. song for that record. Uh, Hammerhead, the uh, Double Negative. Now, that was on the record into the Vortex, but the version of that I'm putting on the playlist was is, like, uh, off of the Amrep home video, like the Dope Guns and Fucking Up Your Video deck. And it's a live... Of them, it's a live video of them playing the song in some room somewhere, and uh, like a like a live, like straight up, someone just put mics room. room. It was the, it was them in an okay. empty room. Okay. like some you know practice space or whatever. Right, and that was their video entry on the dope guns <laughs> fucking up your system or whatever the hell it's called, and uh, it sounds super raw and just brutal, and it's like a little different than the version on the record. And the cool thing about it is uh, the bass player is standing on an American flag. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. There's like an American seen, flag man. and like the dude's like standing on it, and I'm just like, wow, this is like definitely I, some outsider shit. How
1: would that fly today?
0: Oh, I'm sure someone would like, you know, be triggered by that, you know. <laughs> There'd be some triggering going the hell, on. Oh yeah.
1: That's fair to say. Yeah.
0: Cows doing the obvious off of sexy P's story. <laughs> And uh, I can't say enough about how much I love the Cows. Oh, and, me too, man. And I feel fortunate to have experienced them being probably, like, in that triumvirate of bands on this label that I've seen, like, many times. Uh, Surgery, Little Debbie, from their 7-inch. And uh, that, probably, like, one of the, the more uh, Amrep-like of their, of their songs. You know, like I was saying earlier, I, I can't remember that song. Yeah, it's a seven inch that came out. There's a video. Man, watch this. Check out this uh, playlist. I, I like and the I fact that I'm going to have to
1: yeah check some of this out. Yeah. yeah, some of some of this I admittedly I'm not familiar with. I mean, I'm familiar with the bands, but not the particular yeah. songs. Either. Yeah, Little
0: Debbie wasn't on any of their records. It was okay. on uh, seven inch that came out, and they, they have a video for it. Like that was okay. on. I think one of the Amrep videos.
1: They just played recently.
0: Surgery in, in the New singer, York. The singer dead, man.
1: Yeah, they played a show in New York with some other dude singing. It, uh, it must have been.
0: Wow, my old band played with them like years ago, and it, it was towards the end of that dude's life, I think. Yeah. 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 He was, yeah, like, he
1: was a uh, heroin casualty, right? A drug so. casualty. I
0: believe. Uh, yeah, hard living. Because don't
1: they get into that on the documentary? Yeah, they yeah. talk
0: about it a little bit. Yeah. One of the more unique bands on the label, Chokeboar. The song Thin As Clouds on the Anything Near Water LP. And uh, out of all the bands on AMRAP, I think no one knows who they are, really. At least not in the United States. Apparently, they have like a big career in Europe. But they do. They, they're they they're popular in Europe. I I I that I didn't know. But the um, they actually could have been... Like, they could have been, like, an Afghan Wigs or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, they have a little bit of that vibe. Yeah. It's, it's not as noise rock. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Especially as, as time went on for them. Right. I and mean, they, you know, that first record was, you know, a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. But yeah. they got more and more, like, uh, you know, subtle and kind of, like, quiet and everything. And I could see them being more appealing to, like, indie rock kids and, you know. Sad core, whatever you want to right.
1: call it. Uh, so <laughs> they, were all, they were part of the uh, clusterfuck. Clusterfuck with Today is the Day and Guzzard. Yeah. Correct? Guzzard, yep. They, Guzzard. Pairing Today is the
0: Day and Chokebore is interesting. I think it's to me that I wish that tour, I wish I had seen that tour. I didn't, you know? I didn't either. I didn't either. We got uh, my last two entries here is Lubricated Goat uh, in the Raw which is like a you know, killer song. Oh, actually, no, that's not in the Raw. It's um, Bad Times off of the, their their compilation track on Dope Guns and Fucking in the Streets. The Bad Times song. That song is like
1: uh, tight. Something else for anyone who's interested in any of this stuff, yeah. another great thing to pick up besides the AMREP documentary, they compiled Dope Guns and Fucking in the Streets. Maybe we should explain. Yeah. It. Oh,
0: yeah. We haven't really talked was about It was a
1: this series of compilation, <laughs> seven inches, that AMREP put out. Some of the bands went on to do albums with AMREP. Yeah. Some didn't. Some just contributed. Like Jawbox, who was on Discord before yep. they signed to a major, they contributed a song. A lot of them are one-time contributions. But they're nine Are there nine or 10 I 10? think there's like nine yeah they've compiled all those onto a cd or a double lp and
0: that's also on itunes too yes
1: yeah. it is it's on yeah. itunes you can still get the vinyl and the cd i believe from like even amazon has them wow. um hmm. great collection the artwork has like the
0: that feel ar- austere that
1: like we're talking like about fascist
0: look that all the records yeah. have yeah. yes
1: so that is a great collection to uh Pick up along with all this stuff.
0: How did we not mention that earlier?
1: I don't know. We're Because we're stupid.
0: <laughs> and then uh, the final track on my list is Let's Go to Hell by God. <sighs> off of uh, the Dog Show LP. And great bands. You know, if you like uh, Midwestern, depression, and uh, despair, uh, I think that's the band for you. Yeah. And Creeps. <laughs> creepy vibe. Very creepy. Yeah, band with Mike. Mike Hard. Someone. Mike Hard.
1: Fucking. Uh, yeah. Well, as, as much as I think, I, you know, I like to think I know a lot about this stuff, these bands and stuff. Like this, uh, that God Boys is a band I've heard the name, but up until a couple years ago, you turned me on to actually listening to them, and now I'm obsessed with them. Yeah, they're great. On the on a mission to get all the physical copies of the stuff, which isn't easy to come by. It's a lot of digging through discogs and calling record stores and asking for favors. <laughs> um but yeah they've become one of my favorites of all these bands totally unique totally un it's, a lot of these bands are totally unique although we're grouping a lot of them together
0: yeah a lot some of the i have a couple of um honorable mentions here that did not make the list for no real reason just because i didn't want to put them on here i guess <laughs> uh cosmic psychos uh Boss Hog, which is like John Spencer and Christina Martinez. And you guys probably know who John Spencer is. He was John Spencer Blues Explosion, you know, Pussy Galore, like all that stuff. You gonna say something? Yeah, I wanna make
1: a correction yeah, man. of myself. Sure. So I don't have to do it next time. It was Boss Hogg that just played Not Surgery. Oh, okay.
0: All right, cool. Which makes a lot more, yeah, sense, makes more sense seeing how they're all alive. Yeah, they're still alive. Yeah. Uh, Helios Creed. Uh, a cool band, but I can't... I guess with Helios Creed... I guess with all these bands I'm mentioning, there was no... The reason why I didn't put them on a list is because there was no identifiable track that yeah, I, I would, could pick out as like representative of them. Maybe
1: second tier isn't a great way to put it. Yeah. But these are like... I mean, not bands that are, would be as recognizable as some of the other ones. Yeah,
0: I, I would right? exactly, You Exactly. Know, Helios Creed, uh, Guzzard, who was on that Clusterfuck. Uh, I yes. almost put a Guzzard track on there. But, you know, I guess personal preference. I just think of them more on this level. Right. And then Love 666, who actually, uh, my old band Anodyne played a show with them. at Seabees in like 2002, which is like way after the fact. Yeah. And they basically didn't play. It was like... Well, really? Yeah, it was this kind of thing where um, there were some other bands on the bill, and by the time they went on, it was a weeknight, there was like no one there. So they just like put their gear up on stage and turned it on and like were feeding back, and they weren't even on stage. Like, there was a drum set with amps, and they put their guitars and leaned them against the amps, and just, like, feeding back. And then (laughs) the sound guy was like, oh, what are you guys doing, man? Are you guys going to play? And the guy's like, oh, no, 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 man. This is our thing now. This is is what we do. This is our thing. It's a thing, huh? (laughs) So I'm like...
1: Was anyone... uh, I mean, there's nobody there. No. no So no one was, like, pissed off, like, that they didn't play?
0: I was pissed off because I wanted to see them. Oh that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have a song called Hard Rock America.
1: Well, 2002, man. If, you, if AMREP wasn't cool like, 10 years before that, it definitely wasn't fucking cool in 2002. No, I, it was... I mean, it was probably yeah, Dead Fruit on the Vine totally, in a lot man. of ways by 2002. Yeah. Um, which is a, one reason why it's so awesome that it's sort of thriving again in a weird way. With, yeah. With all these boutique releases and stuff that they're doing now.
0: Like real cool kids <laughs> like them these days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Seems. Yeah, great.
0: <laughs>
1: great. <laughs> um, yeah, I can just, I'll i just go through a few on the list I have. Uh, Tar, Building Taj Mahal. It's nice. A, off, Over and Out. I mentioned earlier. I'm just obsessed with that song lately. I don't know why. It's amazing. Uh, six Minutes Plus, Slow Burn, just Dark. Great song. See, I don't even know that track. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Yeah, I gotta check check that one out. Uh, Cows, Cabin Boy, first track um, off the record that Buzz Osborne produced. Oh yeah. Melts, and it, it just sounds like the first like two minutes sounds like someone getting like strangled underwater, and you like just keep turning your radio up, going, "What the fuck's going on?" And then. It just kicks in and yeah. it's just devastatingly heavy in a very peculiar way. But yeah. it's, amazing. it's a good way of
0: describing it.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I ended up going with a lot of non AMRAP bands on my list, not on purpose, but uh, Glaze Baby, uh, a track called 3 4 off of uh, their second full length, Atomic Communist, was on some weird subsidiary of a major called like Red Decibel or oh, yeah. something.
0: Yeah the risk was on that label
1: yeah yeah they scooped up a lot of these bands but uh, then uh, killdozer a song called uh, working hard or hardly working it's the last track off their last studio album just awesome six plus minutes of pummeling I like can killdozer it's amazing all uh, Lyrics are all of reference to just a guy, like, working a shitty job. I mean, you know, there's been a million songs about guys working a shitty job at a factory or whatever. But for some reason, as a guy who's worked exclusively shitty jobs, <laughs> still to this day, that that song just uh, has this weird effect on it. It's just so, like, downtrodden and Fucking dark and miserable. But Killdozer is also a kind of a funny band.
0: Yeah, they have a humor element, like a dark humor to their music. Right. For sure. So there
1: is that element to the song, yeah. but it's just it's just fucking great. I don't know. There's but, an irony. So. Yes, there is an irony. It's fucking great. It's also another song on that record called The Pig Was Cool. Yeah. I which knew was him at school. Knew him at school. <laughs> totally goofy song, but fucking awesome. And yeah. one of the best bass sounds ever, Killdozer. In the that fucking dude, the singer-bass player, he looks like like Arthur Fonzarelli or something. Like a
0: little, small little fella, yeah. too.
1: Yeah. yeah, they're from like Wisconsin. Yeah, right? Madison. Yeah. Madison, Wisconsin. I think so, yeah. The sound of Madison, Wisconsin. Right? <laughs> uh, another band, which was another non-AM rep band, Dazzling Kill Oh, yeah, definitely. A song called Bone Fragments, which Dazzling Kill there like a, there was an art someone there was an article I seen recently I'm not sure who wrote it or where it was but it was like uh, talking about Van Man Craw yeah the, the kind of brother sure. bands I see a lot of resemblance in those Definitely. two bands it's like very complex music
0: yeah and and like uh, the lyrical content it's like very literary like there's like a literal, yes. literary like vibe to it like yeah. some you can tell the guys read a lot of you know philosophical books and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it seems yeah. like a very learned, like, <laughs> storyteller, you know.
1: Smart guy. Smart guy. It, noise rock for smart guys. Exactly. Um, and then today is the day, The Kick Inside, which is off Supernova. Um, I just, just, just listened to it. There's no, there's no need to even talk about it. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Uh, Craw, a song called Bypass, off Lost Nation Road. Yeah. Which is some of the most just dark, twisted, fucked up lyrics. There's no lyrics, I believe, in the record. But so I kind of, I might make up my own lyrics. I think that's what I I do all the time. I got to translate what he sings. He has that very twisted delivery in his vocals. It's like a line in that song. The song's called Bypass. And it's like something to the effect of had to drive to Cleveland for my brother's bypass. Which I'm assuming he's talking about bypass surgery. Could be. It works for me. Yeah.
0: it's
1: a, a great Lost Nation Road It's the second cry record All the cry records Are fucking flawless But that song I love Uh That a band from New York Cop Shoot Cop Oh yeah
0: totally. What song by that one? Indifference Yeah man Yeah,
1: yeah. Which is uh, kind of like you know, Almost like their hit in
0: a way Yeah that's that, There's that And then there's like Room Four Twenty. Room 429 That was like a big hit for them Yeah too. Uh or $10 Bill, there was a video that, for that. Yeah, they had a few. They had man. a couple they of a songs few. that were, people were into.
1: Even though this was a cool song the like, I love. Just the production on that song, the way the bass and drum sound on that song, and uh, Todd A., this, his delivery, and I just love that song. And uh, Phil Puglio was the drummer for Cop Shoot Cop, who has been the current drummer of the Swans on this last
0: yeah, makes sense. go-around. Sure.
1: Yeah, and you can kind of hear... That for sure, and a band called Distorted Pony.
0: I have not, f- which not familiar with them, man.
1: I, I've known about them for a while. I'm, I'm not like an expert on them. I know it was a I believe it was started as a two man project. One of the one of the guys I don't can't remember his name, but the other guy was London May. Who, Sam Hane. Sam Hane. Yeah. I think, believe he was in Dag Nasty maybe for a second. Possibly. Uh, like a DC hardcore guy, but this is like in. It's a noise noise rock. It's it's got that Amrap helmet kind of feel, but it's like an industrial tinge to it too. They have two records. Both of them are on iTunes. Um, This song is called "Death in the Turnstile," and uh, they're both pretty awesome records. One of one of their records is getting reissued uh, on a label from Detroit called Corpse Flower. I heard that label. Yeah, putting out their vinyl. Um, So they're I think they're touring Europe this year too, or something. Check them out. The stuff's pretty easy to find on iTunes and YouTube. And uh, then uh, two more. Well, I got one more. A band called Thrall, which is Mike Hard, the singer of God Bullies.
0: Yeah, it's like I I, I, I never I never actually listened to them.
1: Yeah, well, I, f- getting uh, turned on to the God Bullies through you a couple years ago made me re- kind of realize I've heard the name Thrall for years, too. Never made the connection that it was even connected to anybody from AMREP or any of those bands. Uh, a song called Sometimes I Get the Urge And it's I think I like God Bullies better But the Thrall stuff is fucking good, man It's solid
0: stuff Well, right on, man That's, that's all I got uh, that's, all, that's, that's it So, yeah Check out the, the list And um, if you got any questions Email Randy <laughs> <laughs> and you can Feel free Answer any questions you might have About any of these tracks But yeah, enjoy A lot of this stuff Hopefully you know, turning some people on and some stuff they haven't heard of. And if you're a bunch of old fucks like me and Randy here, this might be a little bit of a, you know, cruise down memory lane or something like that. Yes. Yep, all great stuff, man. Check it out. Thank you. Thanks for listening and talking to you guys soon.